everyone, she's I, D.B. Spitzer, hauled away, hold away in self, uh, I don't know, isolation, uh, currently, uh, at Casa D. Blacklock Audio Tales, which is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com, keep your feet warm with some Highland cow slippers in this cold season. It snowed in Portland as I recorded today on, uh, Pi Day, so... Hey, keep your tootsies warm, bunnyslippers.com. And yes, we are in week three of Google, and it's been quite a few three weeks of March, so let's, um, yes. Here we go with more Google. And remember, to keep Blacklock Audio Tales going, why not chuck us out in social media with Facebook at Blacklock Audio Tales. Um, you can also look for us at PGTTCM, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, our monthly show about the Cthulhu Mythos. We generally have guests like Ken Height or Scott, uh, 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 Adam Scott Lancy, uh, David Heath, and all kinds of other sorts of people to talk about all s- uh, sorts of things dealing with weird fiction in the Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, you can also help out the show by going to pgttcm.com, hitting a donate button, or going to the shop. We've got cool t-shirts and uh, housewares there that you could purchase and decorate yourself and your dorm room or your cubicle or your barn or your sacrificial chamber or whatever you... Wherever you listen to podcasts, but I don't listen to podcasts in a room. I listen on a bus. Well, then tell the person next to you, why don't you listen to Black Lock Audio Tales? It's an audio tale podcast that tells you a story one chapter at a time or more. And also generally has a theme for its month. This month is Nikolai Gogol as it is his birth month. And so, yes, that is the theme uh, this series birth months. If you haven't gotten it yet, you'll get it now, because I just told you. Uh, and uh, also, check out me, D.B. Spitzer, uh, Twisted Pulp. Search out Twisted Pulp, and uh, I, I, I do a few voices here and there for Mark Slade on Twisted Pulp. Search it out. And here we go with some Google in just a little bit. You know, I like to pad out the uh, last... Uh, Three mi- uh, first three minutes with uh, just me yammering, but pgttcm.com find all episodes of this Dave's Corner of the Universe Articulate Warbling and whatever else I'm producing this week Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario Taras Buiba and Other Tales by Nikolai Vasilevich Gogol The Mysterious Portrait Part 2 First of all, he went to the tailor, was clothed anew from head to foot, and began to look at himself like a child. He purchased perfumes and pomades, hired the first elegant suite of apartments with mirrors and plate glass windows, which he came across in the Nevsky Prospect, without haggling about the price. Bought, on the impulse of the moment, a costly eyeglass, bought also in the impulse a number of neckties of every description many more than he needed had his hair curled at the hairdressers rode through the city twice without any object whatever 
ate an immense quantity of sweetmeats at the confectioner's and went to the french restaurant of which he had heard rumors as indistinct as though they had concerned the empire of china then he dined casting proud glances at the other visitors and continually arranging his curls in the glass there he drank a bottle of champagne which had been known to him hitherto only by hearsay the wine rather affected his head and he emerged into the street lively pugnacious and ready to raise the devil according to the russian expression he strutted along the pavement leveling his eyeglass at everybody on the bridge he caught sight of his former professor and slipped past him neatly as if he did not see him so that the astounded professor stood stock still on the bridge for a long time with a face suggestive of a note of interrogation all his goods and chattels everything he owned easels canvas pictures were transported that same evening to his elegant quarters he arranged the best of them in conspicuous places threw the worst into a corner and promenaded up and down the handsome rooms glancing constantly in the mirrors an unconquerable desire to take the bull by the horns and show himself to the world at once had arisen in his mind he already heard the shouts tsarkov 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 paints what talent tsarkov has he paced the room in a state of rapture the next day he took ten ducats and went to the editor of the popular journal asking his charitable assistance he was joyfully received by the journalist who called him on the spot most respected sir squeezed both his hands and made minute inquiries as to his name birthplace residence the next day there appeared in the journal below a notice of some newly invented tallow candles an article with the following heading sarkov's immense talent we hasten to delight the cultivated inhabitants of the capital with a discovery which we may call splendid in every respect all are agreed that there are among us many very handsome faces but hitherto there has been no means of committing them to canvas for transmission to posterity this want has now been supplied an artist has been found who unites in himself all desirable qualities the beauty can now feel assured that she will be depicted with all the grace of her charms airy fascinating butterfly-like flitting among the flowers of spring the stately father of a family can see himself surrounded by his family merchant warrior citizen statesman hasten one and all wherever you may be the artist's magnificent establishment nevsky prospect such and such a number is hung with the portraits from his brush worthy of a van dyke or titian we do not know which to admire most their truth and likeness to the originals or the wonderful brilliancy and freshness of the coloring hail to you artist you have drawn a lucky number in the lottery long live andrei petrovitch the journalist evidently liked familiarity glorify yourself and us 
we know how to prize you universal popularity and with it wealth will be your meed though some of our brother journalists may rise against you the artist read this article with secret satisfaction his face beamed he was mentioned in print it was a novelty to him he read the lines over several times the comparison with van dyke and titian flattered him extremely the praise long live andrei petrovitch also pleased him greatly to be spoken of by his christian name and patronymic in print was an honor hitherto totally unknown to him he began to pace the chamber briskly now he sat down in an armchair now he sprang up and seated himself on the sofa planning each movement how he would receive visitors male and female he went to his canvas and made a rapid sweep of the brush endeavoring to impart a graceful movement to his hand the next day the bell at his door rang he hastened to open it a lady entered accompanied by a girl of eighteen her daughter and followed by a lackey in a furred livery coat you are the painter tsarkov the artist bowed a great deal is written about you your portraits it is said are the height of perfection so saying the lady raised her glass to her eyes and glanced rapidly over the walls upon which nothing was hanging but where are your portraits they have been taken away replied the artist somewhat confusedly i have but just moved into these apartments so they are still on the road they have not arrived you have been in italy asked the lady leveling her glass at him as she found nothing else to point it at no i have not been there but i wish to go and i have deferred it for a while here is an armchair madam you are fatigued thank you i have been sitting a long time in the carriage ah at last i behold your work said the lady running to the opposite wall and bringing her glass to bear upon his studies sketches views and portraits which were standing there on the floor it is charming lise lise come here rooms in the style of ten years do you see disorder disorder a table with a bust upon it a hand a palette dust see how the dust is painted it is charming and here on this canvas is a woman washing her face what a pretty face ah a little music so you do not devote yourself exclusively to portraits oh that is mere rubbish i was trying experiments studies tell me your opinion of the portrait painters of the present day is it not true that there are none now like titian there is not that strength of color that that what a pity that i cannot express myself in russian the lady was fond of paintings and had gone through all the galleries in italy with her eyeglass but monsieur noel ah how well he paints what remarkable work i think his faces have been more expression than titian's you do not know monsieur noel who is noel inquired the artist monsieur noel oh what talent he painted her portrait when she was only twelve years old you must certainly come to see us 
least you should show him your album. You know, we came expressly that you might begin her portrait immediately. What? I am ready this very moment. And in a trice he pulled forward an easel with a canvas already prepared, grasped his palette, and fixed his eyes on the daughter's pretty little face. If he had been acquainted with human nature, he might have read in it the dawning of a childish passion for balls, the drowning of sorrow and misery at the length of time before dinner and after dinner, the heavy traces of uninterested application to various arts insisted upon by her mother for the elevation of her mind. But the artist saw only the tender little face, a seductive subject for his brush, the body almost as transparent as porcelain, the delicate white neck, and the artistically slender form, and he prepared beforehand to triumph, to display the delicacy of his brush, which had hitherto had to deal only with the harsh features of coarse models and severe antiques and copies of classic masters. He already saw in fancy how this delicate little face would turn out. Do you know, said the lady with a positively touching expression of countenance, I should like her to be painted simply attired and seated among green shadows like meadows with a flock or a grove in the distance so that it could not be seen that she goes to balls or fashionable entertainments our balls i must confess murder the intellect deaden all remnants of feeling simplicity would there were more simplicity alas it was stamped on the faces of the mother and daughter that they had so overdanced themselves at balls that they had become almost wax figures Tsarkov set to work, poised his model, reflected a bit, fixed upon the idea, waved his brush in the air, settling the points mentally, and then began and finished the sketching in within an hour. Satisfied with it, he began to paint. The task fascinated him. He forgot everything, forgot the very existence of the aristocratic ladies, began even to display some artistic tricks, uttering various odd sounds and humming to himself now and then as artists do when emerged heart and soul in their work. Without the slightest ceremony, he made the sitter lift her head, which finally began to express utter weariness. Enough for the first time, said the lady. A little more, said the artist, forgetting himself. No, it's time to stop. Lise, three o'clock, said the lady, taking out a tiny watch which hung by a gold chain from her girdle. How late it is. Only a minute, said Tsarkov innocently, with the pleading voice of a child. But the lady appeared to be not at all inclined to yield to his artistic demands on this occasion. She promised, however, to sit longer the next time. It is vexatious, all the same, thought Tsarkov to himself. I had just got my hand in, and he remembered no one had interrupted him or stopped him when he was at work in his studio on Veselevsky Ostrov. Nikita sat motionless in one place. You might even paint him as long as you pleased. 
he even went to sleep in the attitude prescribed him feeling dissatisfied he laid his brush and palette on a chair and paused in irritation before the picture the woman of the world's compliments awoke him from his reverie he flew to the door to show them out on the stairs he received an invitation to dine with them the following week and returned with a cheerful face to his apartments the aristocratic lady had completely charmed him up to that time he had looked upon such being as unapproachable born solely to ride in magnificent carriages with liveried footmen and stylish coachmen and to cast indifferent glances on the poor man travelling on foot in a cheap cloak and now all of a sudden one of these very beings had entered his room he was painting her portrait was invited to dinner at an aristocratic house an unusual feeling of pleasure took possession of him he was completely intoxicated and rewarded himself with a splendid dinner an evening at the theatre and a drive through the city in a carriage without any necessity whatever but meanwhile his ordinary work did not fall in with his mood at all he did nothing but wait for the moment when the bell should ring at last the aristocratic lady arrived with her pale daughter he seated them drew forward the canvas with skill and some effort of fashionable airs and began to paint the sunny day and bright light aided him not a little he saw in this dainty sitter much which caught and committed to canvas would give great value to the portrait he perceived that he might accomplish something good if he could reproduce with accuracy all that nature then offered to his eyes his heart began to beat faster as he felt that he was expressing something which others had not even seen as yet his work engrossed him completely he was wholly taken up with it and again forgot the aristocratic origin of the sitter with heaving breast he saw the delicate features and the almost transparent body of the fair maiden grow beneath his hand he had caught every shade the slight sallowness the almost imperceptible blue tinge under the eyes and was already preparing to put in the tiny mould on the brow when he suddenly heard the mother's voice behind him ah why do you paint that it is not necessary and you have made it here in several places rather yellow and here quite so like dark spots the artist undertook to explain that the spots and yellow tinge would turn out well that they brought out the delicate and pleasing tones of the face he was informed that he did not bring out the tones and would not turn out well at all it was explained to him that just today lise did not feel quite well that she never was sallow and that her face was distinguished for its fresh colouring sadly he began to erase what his brush had put upon the canvas many a nearly imperceptible feature and with it vanished too a portion of the resemblance 
he began indifferently to impart to the picture that commonplace colouring which can be painted mechanically and which lends to a face even when taken from nature the sort of cold ideality observable on school programmes but the lady was satisfied with the objectionable tone was quite banished she merely expressed surprise that the work lasted so long and added that she had heard that he finished the portrait completely in two sittings the artist could not think of any answer to this the ladies rose and prepared to depart he laid aside his brush escorted them to the door and then stood disconsolate for a long while in one spot before the portrait he gazed stupidly at it and meanwhile there floated before his mind's eyes those delicate features those shades and airy tints which he had copied and which his brush had annihilated engrossed with them he put the portrait on one side and hunted up a head of psyche which he had for some time before thrown on canvas in a sketchy manner it was a pretty little face well painted but entirely ideal and having cold regular features not lit up by life for lack of occupation he now began to tone it up imparting to it all he had taken note of in his aristocratic sitter those features shadows tints which he had noted made their appearance here in the purified form in which they appeared when the painter after closely observing nature subordinates himself to her and produces a creation equal to her own psyche began to live and the scarcely dawning thought began little by little to clothe itself in a visible form the type of face of the fashionable young lady was unconsciously transferred to psyche yet nevertheless she had an expression of her own which gave the picture claims to be considered in truth an original creation tsarkov gave himself up entirely to his work for several days he was engrossed by it alone and the ladies surprised him at it on their arrival he had not time to remove the picture from the easel both ladies uttered a cry of amazement and clasped their hands lise lise ah how like superb superb what a happy thought too to drape her in a greek costume ah what a surprise the artist could not see his way to disabuse the ladies of their error shamefacedly with drooping head he murmured this is psyche in the character of psyche charming said the mother smiling upon which the daughter smiled too confess lise it pleases you to be painted in the character of psyche better than any other way what a sweet idea but what treatment it is correggio himself i must say that although i had read and heard about you i did not know you had so much talent you positively must paint me too evidently the lady wanted to be portrayed as some kind of psyche too what am i to do with them thought the artist if they will have it so why let psyche pass for what they choose and added aloud 
pray sit a little i will touch it up here there ah i'm afraid you will it is such a capital likeness now but the artist understood that the difficulty was with respect to the sallowness and so he reassured them by saying that he only wished to give more brilliancy and expression to the eyes in truth he was ashamed and wanted to impart a little more likeness to the original lest anyone should accuse him of actual barefaced flattery and the features of the pale young girl at length appeared more closely in psyche's countenance enough said the mother beginning to fear that the likeness might become too decided the artist was remunerated in every way with smiles money compliments cordial pressures of the hand invitations to dinner in short he received a thousand flattering rewards the portrait created a furor in the city the lady exhibited to her friends and all admired the skill with which the artist had preserved the likeness and at the same time conferred more beauty on the original the last remark of course was prompted by a slight tinge of envy the artist was suddenly overwhelmed with work it seemed as if the whole city wanted to be painted by him the doorbell rang incessantly from one point of view this might be considered advantageous as presenting to him endless practice in variety and number of faces but unfortunately they were all people who were hard to get along with either busy hurried people or else belonging to the fashionable world and consequently more occupied than any one else and therefore impatient to the last degree in all quarters the demand was merely that the likeness should be good and quickly executed the artist perceived that it was a simple impossibility to finish his work that it was necessary to exchange power of treatment for lightness and rapidity to catch only the general expression and not waste labor on delicate details moreover nearly all of his sitters made stipulations on various points the ladies required that mind and character should be represented in their portraits that all angles should be rounded all unevenness smoothed away and even removed entirely if possible in short that their faces should be such as to cause everyone to stare at them with admiration if not fall in love with them outright when they sat to him they sometimes assumed expressions which greatly amazed the artist one tried to express melancholy another meditation a third wanted to make her mouth appear small on any terms and puckered it up to such an extent that it finally looked like a spot about as big as a pinhead and in spite of all this they demanded of him good likenesses and unconstrained naturalness the men were no better one insisted on being painted with an energetic muscular turn to his head another with upturned inspired eyes a lieutenant of the guard demanded that mars should be visible in his eyes an official in the civil service drew himself up to his full height in order to have his uprightness expressed in his face and that his hand might rest on a book bearing the words in plain characters 
he always stood up for the right at first such demands threw the artist into a cold perspiration finally he acquired the knack of it and never troubled himself at all about it he understood at a word how each wanted himself portrayed if a man wanted mars in his face he put in mars he gave a bryonic turn and attitude to those who aimed at byron if the ladies wanted to be corinne undined or aspasia he agreed with great readiness and threw in a sufficient measure of good looks from his own imagination which does no harm and for the sake of which an artist is even forgiven a lack of resemblance he soon began to wonder himself at the rapidity and dash of his brush and of course those who sat to him were in ecstasies and proclaimed him a genius sarkoff became a fashionable artist in every sense of the word he began to dine out to escort ladies to picture galleries to dress foppishly and to assert audibility that an artist should belong to society that he must uphold his profession that artists mostly dress like showmakers do not know how to behave themselves do not maintain the highest tone and are lacking in all polish at home in his studio he carried cleanliness and spotlessness to the last extreme set up two superb footmen took fashionable pupils dressed several times a day curled his hair practiced various manners of receiving his callers and busied himself in adorning his person in every conceivable way in order to produce a pleasant impression on the ladies in short it would soon have been impossible for any one to have recognized in him the modest artist who had formerly toiled unknown in his miserable quarters in the vasilevsky ostrov he now expressed himself decidedly concerning artists and art declared that too much credit had been given to the old masters that even raphael did not always paint well and that fame attached to many of his works simply by force of tradition that michelangelo was a braggart because he could boast only a knowledge of anatomy that there was no grace about him and that real brilliancy and power of treatment and coloring were to be looked for in the present century and there naturally the question touched him personally i do not understand said he how others toil and work with difficulty a man who labors for months over a picture is a dauber and no artist in my opinion i don't believe he has any talent genius works boldly rapidly here is this portrait which i painted in two days this head in one day this in a few hours this in a little more than an hour no i confess i do not recognize as art that which adds line to line that is a handicraft not art in this manner did he lecture his visitors and the visitors admired the strength and boldness of his works uttered exclamations on hearing how fast they had been produced and said to each other this is talent real talent see how he speaks how his eyes gleam there is something really extraordinary in his face 
It flattered the artist to hear such reports about himself. When printed praise appeared in the papers, he rejoiced like a child, although this praise was purchased with his money. He carried the printed slips about with him everywhere and showed them to friends and acquaintances as if by accident. His fame increased, his works and orders multiplied. Already the same portraits over and over again wearied him by the same attitudes and turns which he had learned by heart. He painted them now without any great interest in his work, brushing in some sort of a head and giving them to his pupils to finish. At first he had sought to devise a new attitude each time. Now this had grown wearisome to him. His brain was tired with planning and thinking. It was out of his power. His fashionable life bore him far away from his labor and thought. His work grew cold and colorless, and he betook himself with indifference to the reproduction of monotonous, well-worn forms. The internally spick-and-span uniforms and the so-to-speak buttoned-up faces of the government officials, soldiers and statesmen, did not offer a wide field for his brush. It forgot how to render superb draperies and powerful emotions and passion. Of grouping, dramatic effect and its lofty connections, there was nothing. In face of him was only a uniform, a corsage, a dress coat, and before which the artist feels cold and all imagination vanishes. Even his own particular merits were no longer visible in his works, yet they continued to enjoy renown, although genuine connoisseurs and artists merely shrugged their shoulders when they saw his latest productions. But some who had known Tsarkov in his earlier days could not understand how the talent of which he had been given such clear indications in the outset could so have vanished and strove in vain to divine by what means genius could be extinguished in a man just when he had attained to the full development of his powers but the intoxicated artist did not hear these criticisms he began to attain to the age of dignity both in mind and years to grow stout and increase visibly in flesh he often read in the papers such phrases as our most respected Andrei Petrovitch, our worthy Andrei Petrovitch. He began to receive offers of distinguished posts in the service, invitations to examinations and committees. He began, as is usually the case in maturer years, to advocate Raphael and the old masters, not because he had become thoroughly convinced of their transcendent merits, but in order to snub the younger artists. His life was already approaching the period when everything which suggested impulse contracts within a man, when a powerful chord appeals more feebly to the spirit, when the touch of beauty no longer converts virgin strength into fire and flame, but when all the burnt-out sentiments become more vulnerable to the sound of gold hearken more attentively to its seductive music and little by little permit themselves to be completely lulled to sleep by it 
fame can give no pleasure to him who has stolen it not won it so all his feelings and impulses turned towards wealth gold was his passion his ideal his fear his delights his aim the bundles of bank notes increased in his coffers and like all to whose lot falls this fearful gift he began to grow inaccessible to every sentiment except the love of gold but something occurred which gave him a powerful shock and disturbed the whole tenor of his life one day he found upon his table a note in which the academy of painting begged him as a worthy member of its body to come and give his opinion upon a new work which had been sent from italy by a russian artist who was perfecting himself there the painter was one of his former comrades who had been possessed with a passion for art from his earliest years had given himself up to it with his whole soul estranged himself from his friends and relatives and had hastened to that wonderful rome at whose very name the artist's heart beats wildly and hotly there he buried himself in his work from which he permitted nothing to entice him he visited the galleries unweariedly he stood for hours at a time before the works of the great masters seizing and studying their marvelous methods he never finished anything without revising his impressions of several times before these great teachers and reading in their works silent but eloquent counsels he gave each impartiality his due appropriating from all only that which he was most beautiful and finally became the pupil of the divine raphael alone as a great poet after reading many works at last made homer's iliad his only breviary having discovered that it contained all one wants and that there is nothing which is not expressed in it in perfection and so he brought away from his school the grand conception of creation the mighty beauty of thought the high charms of that heavenly brush when sarkov entered the room he found a crowd of visitors already collected before the picture the most profound silence such as rarely settles upon a throng of critics reigned over all he hastened to assume the significant expression of a connoisseur and approached the picture but o oh god what did he behold pure faultless beautiful as a bride stood the picture before him the critics regarded this new hitherto unknown work with a feeling of involuntary wonder all seemed united in it the art of raphael reflected in the lofty grace of the grouping the art of correggio breathing from the finished perfection of the workmanship but more striking than all else was the evident creative power in the artist's mind the very minutest object in the picture revealed it he had caught that melting roundness of outline which is visible in nature only to the artist creator and which comes out as angles with a copyist it was plainly visible how the artist having imbibed in all from the external world had first stored it in his mind 
and then drawn it thence as from a spiritual source into one harmonious triumphant song and it was evident even to the uninitiated how vast a gulf there was fixed between creation and a mere copy from nature involuntary tears stood ready to fall in the eyes of those who surrounded the picture it seemed as though all joined in a silent hymn to the divine work motionless with open mouth sarkov stood before the picture at length when by degrees the visitors and critics began to murmur and comment upon the merits of the work and turning to him begged him to express an opinion he came to himself once more he tried to assume an indifferent everyday expression strove to utter some such commonplace remark as yes to tell the truth it is impossible to deny the artist's talent there is something in it but the speech died upon his lips tears and sobs burst forth uncontrollably and he rushed from the room like one beside himself in a moment he stood in his magnificent studio all his being all his life had been aroused in one instant as if youth had returned to him as if the dying sparks of his talent had blazed forth afresh the bandage suddenly fell from his eyes heavens to think of having mercilessly wasted the best years of his youth of having extinguished trodden out perhaps the spark of fire which cherished in his breast might perhaps have been developed into magnificence and beauty and having extorted too its meed of tears and admiration it seemed as though those impulses which he had known in other days reawoke suddenly in his soul he seized the brush and approached his canvas one thought possessed him wholly one desire consumed him he strove to depict a fallen angel this idea was most in harmony with his frame of mind the perspiration started out upon his face with his efforts but alas his figures attitudes groups thoughts arranged themselves stiffly disconnectedly his hand and his imagination had been too long confined to one groove and the fruitless effort to escape from the bounds and fetters which he had imposed upon himself showed itself in irregularities and errors he had despised the long wearisome ladder to knowledge and the first fundamental law of the future great man hard work he gave vent to his vexation he ordered all his later productions to be taken out of his studio all the fashionable lifeless pictures all the portraits of hussars ladies and councillors of state he shut himself up alone in his room would order no food and devoted himself entirely to his work he sat toiling like a scholar but how pitifully wretched was all which proceeded from his hand he was stopped at every step by his ignorance of the very first principles simple ignorance of the mechanical part of his art chilled all inspiration and formed an impassable barrier to his imagination 
his brush returned involuntarily to hackneyed forms hands folded themselves in a set attitude heads dared not make any unusual turn the very garments turned out commonplace and would not drape themselves to any unaccustomed posture of the body and he felt and saw this all himself but had i really any talent he said at length did i not deceive myself uttering these words he turned to the early works which he had painted so purely so unselfishly in former days in his wretched cabin yonder in lonely vasilevsky ostrov he began attentively to examine them all and all the misery of his former life came back to him yes he cried despairingly i had talent the signs and traces of it are everywhere visible he paused suddenly and shivered all over his eyes encountered other eyes fixed immovably upon him it was that remarkable portrait which he had bought in the Shchikutny Dwar. all this time it had been covered up concealed by other pictures and had utterly gone out of his mind now as if by design when all the fashionable portraits and paintings had been removed from the studio it looked forth together with the productions of his early youth as he recalled all the strange events connected with it as he remembered that this singular portrait had been in a manner the cause of his errors that the hoard of money which he had obtained in such peculiar fashion had given birth in his mind to all the wild caprices which had destroyed his talent madness was on the point of taking possession of him at once he ordered the hateful portrait to be removed but his mental excitement was not thereby diminished his whole being was shaken to its foundation and he suffered that fearful torture which is sometimes exhibited when a feeble talent strives to display itself on a scale too great for it and cannot do so the horrible envy took possession of him an envy which bordered on madness the gall flew to his heart when he beheld a work which bore the stamp of talent he gnashed his teeth and devoured it with a glare of a basilic he conceived the most devilish plan which ever entered into the mind of man and he hastened with the strength of madness to carry it into execution he began to purchase the best that art produced of every kind having bought a picture at a great price he transported it to his room flung himself upon it with the ferocity of a tiger cut it tore it chopped it into bits and stamped upon it with a grin of delight the vast wealth he had amassed enabled him to gratify his devilish desire he opened his bags of gold and unlocked his coffers no monster of ignorance ever destroyed so many superb productions of art as this raging avenger at any auction where he made his appearance every one despaired at once of obtaining any work of art it seemed as if an angry heaven had sent this fearful scourge into the world expressly to destroy all harmony scorn of the world was expressed in his countenance 
his tongue uttered nothing save biting and censorious words he swooped down like a harpy into the street and his acquaintances caught sight of him in the distance sought to turn aside and avoid a meeting with him saying that it poisoned the, all the rest of the day fortunately for the world and art such a life could not last long his passions were too overpowering for his feeble strength attacks of madness began to recur more frequently and ended at last in the most frightful illness a violent fever combined with galloping consumption seized upon him with such violence that in three days there remained only a shadow of his former self to this was added indication of hopeless insanity sometimes several men were unable to hold him the long-forgotten living eyes of the portrait began to torment him and then his madness became dreadful all the people who surrounded his bed seemed to him horrible portraits the portrait doubled it quadrupled itself all the walls seemed hung with portraits which fastened their living eyes upon him portraits glared at him from the ceiling from the floor the room widened and lengthened endlessly in order to make room for more of the motionless eyes the doctor who had undertaken to attend him having learned something of his strange history strove with all his might to fathom the secret connection between the visions of his fancy and the occurrences of his life but without the slightest success the sick man understood nothing save his own tortures and gave utterance only to frightful yells and unintelligible gibberish at last his life ended in a final attack of unutterable suffering nothing could be found of all his great wealth but when they beheld the mutilated fragments of grand works of art the value of which exceeded a million they understood the terrible use which had been made of it end of part two